Hey everyone, I am continuing my series, Connections During Quarantine. This series has given me a wonderful gift of time to connect with family and friends while introducing you to some of the brilliant and talented people I have in various facets of my life. Today, I'm chatting with a colleague, Robin Heyman. Similar to me, Robin recently made a professional decision to move to another city for a promotion. When I went through the experience of moving for work, I learned it took me quite a bit of time to get used to a new city and establish a new routine. I look forward to learning how Robin feels about his move and how he's adjusting. Robin is also an artist and has a beautiful blog, MrHayman.com. I want to connect with him on how he's leveraging his creative outlet during these unprecedented times. Check out our conversation here on the View 112 podcast. Welcome to the View 112 podcast. I'm Janita Morris. As an avid reader, writer, and businesswoman, I'm passionate about literacy and self-development. Here, I think out loud and share my perspective on life, balancing a career, and building a writing business. Let's get into it. All right. Hello, everyone. I am here with Robin Heyman, as promised in the open. Hey, Robin. Say hello. I want to make sure our audio is up and working. Hey, everybody. <laughs> um, so Robin, as I mentioned, is a colleague of mine, and we met about... Um, actually, I didn't even think about this until just now. Almost two years ago, um, a little over two years ago, my first day at work was, I think, April 2nd. Um, it was Easter Monday that year, and I think it was April 2nd. And my first day at work is the first day that I met Robin also. <laughs> I met Robin um, during an interview. Uh, he was the first person that I interviewed for a position on um, the team. And so as a result of, you know, me being in a vulnerable position, first day at work, trying to meet everybody and being new to the role and to the city, um, Robin was in a vulnerable position interviewing (laughs) for a pretty important role with a woman he never met before. (laughs) And um, I think that that was probably the beginning of my bond of like, you know, a hundred or so names that I needed to learn uh, Robin was one of the first names that wasn't um, someone on my management team that um, that I got to know and um, and get acquainted with and have conversation with directly. So that's how we became acquainted. And then I would just say over the two years that I've known Robin, we've gone through at least professionally, but I would even say personal. I mean, you could say some of that stuff is personal. Um, some pretty extreme circumstances and situations. And, um, and Robin has this way with his personality. Um, and you'll, I'm sure this will come through. He's very thoughtful, um, and very pensive and slows down and asks a lot of questions. He's very in tune with people's feelings. And there'll be times that I'm just plugging away at work. I'm really stressed out about something. And he'll ask me one question. Um, and then after midway through of realizing I've poured out like my whole heart to him or like some life story to him, midway through, I'm like, hey, how did you do that? How did you get me to open up and tell you all my business again? <laughs> um so uh he's also an undercover psychiatrist 
um, that uh, I definitely needed on the team um, going through some of the things I went through uh, being new to a city. And then I think because of the vulnerability of that we've had with one another and the trust that we've built, um, coming to him with an opportunity for him to be promoted in another city, it was definitely bittersweet for me um, because he was a great asset to my team um, there at the time. And so I did not necessarily want him to go, um, but I knew it would be great and couldn't be selfish and stand in the way of a great opportunity. And so I come to Robin and I knew he was going to be shocked um, and told him about a position in another city. So Robin, I think that's where I want to start is, um, you know, how did you feel I know what you, you were very quiet in the moment, um, but after our conversation was over and you got a chance to decompress on your own, what did you think about the prospect of moving to another city for a promotion? Yeah, um, I, I mean, I was definitely shocked, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I think the, uh, the overwhelming thing that I really needed to... Um, iron out was I, it was a move to a city that I hadn't, um, been in or, or, uh, really been familiar with for over 15 years. Um, it was a city of my childhood and there's a lot of old, um, things that I, I, I feel like I, uh, moved away from. Um, mm. but it was also moving back to family members and, um, people that I, no longer associated with and uh, coming back almost as kind of like a prodigal son. Um, it, it was a little overwhelming to come back. And I think, it, I think I was faced with a lot of um, imposter syndrome. Um, I started to really doubt, am, am I really capable of doing this or um, will people see that I'm coming back a different Robin? Um, and I think that was really what I had to figure out was, um, am I ready to, to embark on returning to the city that I grew up in, um, no longer as a child, but, uh, you know, as a, a, an adult, um, and a different adult, or, you know, a, a professional adult. Mm. So that's interesting. Um, so would you say that moreover, your concern was not about the move well, I'm sure it was still a concern, but the bigger concern wasn't that it was a move to a new city away from where you were, but it was because it was a city where that you were, that you had been before. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the See, I didn't even know that. So, so had I been like, hey, move to DC, it would have been less daunting. (laughs) I might have equally been. (laughs) <laughs> uh, terrified just from the busyness of DC, uh, but I think I would have uh, been a little bit more comfortable with a, a raw city where I was unknown. Ah, okay, yeah. I when I moved to Norfolk, I everybody even I just heard someone say this up here the other day. They're like, "Oh, but you're from, you know, she's from there," and I'm like, "I'm not from there." I'm from here. I'm from Maryland, where I am now. I know people are like, I've moved back and forth so much. Um, but because I went to the college at Hampton, I think the, the 
perception was that I was from there. And so because I'm from there and I have family there and all of that, which I didn't have any, you know this, I have nobody there. Um, like, oh, I'll be fine. And um, yeah, so I think, yeah, that's even more. I didn't even think about like the, like kind of the feeling that you have to live up to something. Mm-hmm. Probably bigger in your mind and for yourself than maybe for everyone else. Oh, absolutely. I was gonna say, is that how it turned out? Was is that what was true? Is ultimately um, it was all in your head? I, most of yeah, I, actually, um, up until the day I walked into the building, um, I had that fear, and um, I really it, it melted away as soon as I walked in the doors. Um, you know, you still deal with a certain level of uh, confidence or, or uh, fear, but um, I think all of those feelings of, can I do this, or are people going to respect me or um, respond to me as who I am now, um, I think that immediately faded as soon as I was able to just be myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, it became so natural. Um, that I'd no longer worried about that fear of people's perception of who I've become mm-hmm. um, because it was just me being me, yeah, me being authentic. Um, so you you said that you had that all the way up until you walked in the door. So what what steps did you have to go to to even get in the door? Then, like to say yes, to actually pack up and go and take the offer. Like, what was your kind of process? Because I, you initially told me no. I should have said that. <laughs> you yeah. told me no at first. <laughs> no, you don't um, want to go and take this promotion. So what got you thinking? What made you change your mind and, and you know, be afraid and still go anyway? Um, I, I think it was a lot of reflection. Um, I had to think over the last two, three years of um, any time that I stayed in the same motions that I had developed in the comfort zone I was in, um, nothing ever happened. I became very confident and comfortable, mm-hmm. um, but I, I wasn't growing. I wasn't um, challenging. I wasn't feeling fulfilled. Um, and I remember those times of uncomfortability and being stressed out. And then moments after, it, it, they're, they're almost fleeting because they're, it seems just like a marble in time um, that that uncomfortability sparked something and I was able to expand or stretch my wings um, and just move to a different channel or work on a different level of who I needed to be or wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really do think on the outs, you know, just as you approach your uncomfortable uh, or uncomfortability, uh, that's really where you will really see who you are or really be able to like become who you want to be. Yeah. It's, it's funny how those moments, it's funny the, the way you put it, um, it's how fleeting the, the time that you're afraid really is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's like this big seeming buildup and your heart's like racing. I'm thinking about a roller coaster actually now and like you tick, 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 tick and everybody's like yep. afraid and then you go and it's like amazing and you, it's just so, it happens so quick. Um, so that's a, an interesting way to... Um, to put that. So you were in your, the role that you were in in the location where you were, you were there for eight years at that time, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So eight years, same routine, right? Walk across the street and go to work. And, you know, you got all your places. You, you knew, I mean, well, you took us, it wasn't until the end that you introduced us to your main spot that you would go to for happy hour and stuff like that. But you had, you know, your routine, your places that you went and um, things that you've done for eight years. And then, boom, you're in a new city. What was, what would you say your first month um, was like at, at work, but also just because, you know, if you haven't been in that new city for over 15 years, nothing's the same. So what was your first month like? Uh, yeah, the first month really was um, I wanted to just give myself the time to accept that I was in a new area. Um, I didn't want to believe I had been here before. Um, I just wanted to approach it as everything's raw, everything's new, mm. um, and really just allow it to happen, just live in the moment. Um, and I, I think that just came from just start talking to people, just talk to people, ask them what they do, um, what they're passionate about, what do they do for hobbies, um, and then also just explore. Like, don't be afraid to get lost. I mean, I mean, we have technology. I can find my way back <laughs> right. to where I need to go. Um, but I think it was that personal exploration that allowed me to reconnect to the city um, my way and not through anyone else's lens and really find those niches that I built or established in Norfolk um, to do that here in the new city. Mm-hmm. Um, find things that were that were mine um, that I can wake up and know, hey, that's my spot. And so do you have that those places now? I have a few, yes. Okay. I do have a few. And you've been there now for a little a little under a year still. Yeah, it's about seven months now. Seven months. Um, so starting to get a little routine, getting a little established. Like you have a place where you go and they're like, Robin. Yep. Oh. I already have one of those. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so tell me now, you know, obviously I didn't send you off to, you know, get promoted to move away, number one, myself temporarily, but then also, you know, to be leading um, and being a, a, a younger leader of, you know, a lot of people during such an unprecedented, challenging, unimaginable time that we're in right now um I know you're still you're working from home um as you know we all are and I'm just curious of how's it been now like building those new relationships and having to leverage them so quickly for something so urgent um yeah I think it's it's been a definitely a learning curve um I I am I initially thought it would be um, pretty easy for me to adapt to uh, working at home. I'm naturally an introvert. Um, but what I found is, like, uh, I actually rely on the energy from communicating with the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to think about engagement a little bit differently. And um, I also didn't want to – I didn't want to inundate them with um, – repetitive information which 
if you turn on the TV right now, that's all you're going to get. You're going to get the same messaging. And it can really, like, become mentally exhausting and, and um, almost fearful of what's happening. Um, and I really wanted to protect them. Um, I, I felt a responsibility to uh, be available and not really create distraction, but create uh, positive thought or, or positive community. Um, mm. So I, I, I had to figure out a way that we can still connect from home. We can still connect on anyone's terms um, and find our resources and still get informed, but not feel like our lives are on halt um, or on pause. Um, and that we could still develop, we could still enjoy some of this time um, while being safe and being uh, responsible. Hmm. I love that. Can you um, just tell me a little bit more about, um, I, I just love the thought of the responsibility of creating a positive community. Can you tell me maybe some ways of, or maybe some fun ideas or activities? I mean, obviously without getting us in trouble, um, uh, that you've been able to create positive community? Uh, Yeah, I I think it's, one, it starts with just being vulnerable, but, um, and and not pretending that you also aren't concerned, uh, Mm -hmm. but engaging and helping, uh, helping people navigate that transition cycle. Um, And I think, being empathetic or, or helping mirror that, um, I think helps people understand that you're human. This is a real thing. Um, but what can we do about it? And I think just having activities of even sharing some of the things I'm working on, like, I, you know, I have my blog, I'm a very, very, very amateur photographer. Um, <laughs> I don't know talking, about that. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, just being able to share that I, I'm still, trying to find new things and I'm still working through some other uncomfortable things. And while I enjoy being able to go outside in my yard and take photos and, you know, I might take a thousand photos and no one will ever see them, but it, it is sparking joy. Um, it's a, it's a positive distraction that's safe and, um, allowing me to really just enjoy what is a peaceful part of this the pandemic um and not having to worry about it all day um i think that's the thing is we have to find positive distractions um that promote like our own hobby or joy we have to build that serotonin now uh, more than it more than ever yes i agree um i love that you have that personal disclosure with your team i think so many times people think that there's only one type of way to lead and that, you know, um, there is the type of leader who you, you, there's like a work you, and then there's a home you. And right now we're all learning about the, the work people at home anyway. (laughs) Um, but I think being your whole self and bringing in and allowing people to kind of have a peek into, um, yeah, that vulnerability and that humanity um, endears people to you a little bit more. It establishes a little more trust. Um, and I think it does quell people's anxiety when they know, like they don't feel like they're on an island. 
Mm -hmm. Um, So love that you're doing that for your team. They're lucky to have you, which I knew they would be. Um, lucky to have you. So, um, so you've mentioned, so this is a nice uh, transition for me, um, already that you're an quote unquote amateur photographer. And I look, I've, I've seen pictures that you've taken. I've been on a photo walk with you before. Um, you definitely have a different eye than I do. Let me put it that way. Um, and your website is very well done. Um, I went to visit it. So it's mrhayman.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so tell me a little bit about what made you, like, how did you get into blogging and, you know, how did you find this outlet to display your artistry? Yeah. Um, it actually, uh, started as a kind of a challenge. Uh, many, many years ago now, um, I used to write solely in journals and I have tons of them, boxes filled with journals. And, um, I used to talk to friends about, uh, maybe one day someone will read, uh, something that I write and maybe they'll feel like they're not alone or maybe they'll feel like, oh, maybe they can try and write too. And, uh, writing has always been a, a challenge of mine. It wasn't something I'm particularly good at or I don't believe I am. Um, but it's a, it's something I constantly find joy in trying to become better. It's my own, uh, happy self-development. Um, and it really took, um, the reason why I created the blog, um, or the website is I wanted things to be shared, but I didn't want it to be forced on anyone. I wanted to kind of be a, something people stumble across mm. or maybe hear and hear, hear say. Um, and it, it is an intimate um, thing because some of those things that I post are, they're not edited, they're stream of conscious, they're not uh, the best parts of speech or even the photos aren't uh, doctored. Everything is very raw. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that allowing myself to share or be vulnerable and share that this is what just came out of a moment. Um, and I think people can share that, uh, vulnerability and I really just hope it, um, inspires someone to really lean forward into the thing that they think that they may not be good at, or they're worried about what people are going to say. Um, that is online and who cares what people say about it, you know, you know, they can make their comments, they can visit, they can't. Um, I try not to overwhelm and pro- uh, promote it. Um, but I really wanted it to be like an intimate part of what's just happening in my brain. What am I thinking of? What am I seeing? Um, and maybe some people can start to align with uh, just what goes on in Robin's crazy mind sometimes. Um, sometimes there's fun. Sometimes there's, um, you know, melancholy things that we have to, we all think about. Um, but I wanted it to be a vulnerable space that, um, I could share and, um, find therapy in, um, and if someone were so to stumble across, maybe they could find some of that too. You know, when I looked at it and I was almost hesitant to say the name of the website because I've, I've not, I know that you 
are a writer and I know that you have photography and I knew that you had a blog, but I had never heard you to your point, like promoted. I've never seen you. Um, like, I know it's like on your Instagram, like the, you know, it's in your bio, but it's not like your, the name of your Instagram account, you know, or, you know, something like that. And, um, as I was looking at it, it's in reading some of what you beautifully have written and shared there, it feels very intimate. So I was like, is this meant to be the public one? Like, it's so intense that it does feel like a very, um, private almost expression. And, um, it's like, it's that, I think, intimate and deep and detailed, um, and, um, like I said, a lot of the prose on there are just beautifully written or I can like really feel like the mood or the vibe that you are in or what you're trying to convey or express. And so, um, and I think more, and I think this is what great art does do is, you know, it's not always about the artist. It's like, what does the art inspire you to do? And so like when I was reading it, I was like, it makes me want to write, you know? Um, and I think like that's, uh, I'm trying to pay you a very high compliment by saying, I think it's great that your work inspires more creativity from other people. Um, You take amazing photos, but it does not inspire me to take photos because I'm just, no, I'm not even good at it. So I don't even try. (laughs) I have a terrible eye. Um, My pictures are crazy. As many classes and photo walks I've gone on, my pictures have gotten better, but I don't, I I would not say I'm an artist in that area. Um, So you mentioned like this is a place for you like again we just mentioned it's um a good outlet and release to you does it release is it a release though like of its stress or anxiety or is it is it not like a therapeutic outlet in that way uh it absolutely is um actually uh anytime i think about it uh it actually reminds me of the scene in harry potter where Dumbledore is pulling a memory out of his brain with his wand and he puts it in the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is freeing to place my thoughts somewhere mm-hmm. um, and allow it to exist on its own um, without having to uh, overthink it or, or uh, be reminded of it and like just really uh, be self-harmed by it um, or even confused by it um allowing it to exist away from me uh is freeing um i think that's very similar to why i would write in my journals very often um i would never go back and reread my journals uh very much similar to how i operate my my blog um i typically will write um post and let it exist where it is and it is freeing that way um it is, it is become a stress relief and many of my stressful times I find myself writing more often Mm. than than others. Um, I love, you know, I'm a Harry Potter girl. I love (laughs) that. What a magical gift to be able to pull a memory out. Oh, um, so do you not, do you rarely go back and read what you wrote, reread? 
yeah, rarely do I. I, I, I think sometimes if I sit and re- as I'm writing it and if I reread it before I post, that's where, um, I found I will sometimes not post. I'll, I will build the fear in myself. What are people going to say? Um, or, you know, what was I thinking? And I don't want to live in the past or reflect on a moment. Um, it was just that it was a moment and it allows me to move forward by placing it in its own space. Mm, Okay. So, you know, we're obviously in an insanely stressful time and, um, a time that's filled with anxiety or is causing anxiety for a lot of people. So how, or are you, have you had a chance? Because this has been a whirlwind. I mean, we've been home now for, is this the third week? The end of the third week? Mm-hmm. Or is it the end of the second week? That's how long no, it's been. The end of the third week? A, yeah, we're, we're moving on to the fourth week. That's nuts. Um, but it happened so quickly. Um I remember just being jolted out of bed from a barrage of text messages um, from different colleagues saying that we were shutting down and going to be working from home. And I feel like from that moment until maybe two weeks later, I think last Thursday is the first day that I just finally crashed and didn't do anything, didn't do any work didn't watch any news. Like I didn't have anybody to take care of. Everything had been delegated and I just had a moment to like decompress. But then I had, I went back to work, you know, I began working again from home the next day. And so I would say this past weekend was the first time I felt like, oh, now I can read a book. Like I haven't been able, I haven't been able to read a book in a while since I've been up here. I haven't been able to complete one book, but, um, yeah, because even when I get time to be like a moment to myself, it's like, I'm, it's so rare. But what I learned in this moment is I've been so consumed with and getting so much information when I did have a moment to settle down and be quiet, I can't even read. I try, I started reading this book on Monday, Monday, and it took me an hour to read one chapter. And the chapter was like only nine pages because that's how often my brain, like I would like, it was like meditating. You know, how you, I, well, I can't, med- I'm a struggle bus meditator. And so, um, you know, your thoughts keep wandering off to other stuff. I had to like turn off every single thing and like play the sound of rain on my HomePod just so I can like tune in and like actually read what was on the page. Um, and I, it took a lot to like clear out and declutter my mind to be able to even consume anything new and then let alone be able to produce anything from a creativity standpoint, but it was, um, yeah, it was this past weekend that I woke up and I felt clear and like kind of back to myself. And that's when I came up with the concept of this, um, connections during quarantine and like who I wanted to interview and what I wanted to talk about. And it just came flowing like so quickly. 
um, like the, the concept of that. And then since then, it's just like, it hits me and like it's one idea after another comes, but it's, it's been months since I've had any creative energy. And sometimes I've just learned you have to like get rid of stuff so that you can make room to create. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's definitely been my experience. Um, so for you during this time, have you settled in your work from home routine and do you make time to create? Uh, yeah, um, settle into my work from home schedule. Uh, I think I, what I settled into is also, you know, in the world in the field that we work in, uh, nothing that stays the same for <laughs> very long. So, um, I actually am working through a new, version of my routine. Uh, but one thing I, um, committed to myself was to have a scheduled time to unwind. And it, that has to be immediately followed with time to create or not create. And that's important that it is that I either have time to create or not create because sometimes your brain, like you said, just needs time to get rid of things, mm -hmm. to create space for it to create. Um, and that is the only time frame of my new schedule that I will not um, deter on. I, I, I will hold firm to that um, because you, even in as we move back into uh, one day, hopefully, our, our normal <laughs> routines, um, I think it's important to stay firm with planning that time to let your brain turn off or finish running its race um, and then plan time to allow it to create or not create. Um, and more times that you allow it to empty or, um, or, or become a vacuum, it will eventually uh, yield something. Um, so I, I think that's, yeah, just be allowing myself to uh, adapt to a new routine constantly, <laughs> but staying firm on that anchoring part of it. I love that. Um, being unwavering and, and uncompromising in the time that you allow to for creativity. Mm -hmm. I took a writing class since I've been here, and they were talking, and it was about the discipline of making time for writing. And if you want to be a writer, you have to be disciplined to make time to write. And that class was, I think, the first week in February. <laughs> and what a different world we live in now. Um, but yeah, decluttering the mind for sure. That's, that's what I need to continue to work on. And yes, being, um, of all the schedules I've set up, I have not set up much schedule that I can say I'm, that's non-negotiable for creativity. So thank you for that. Um, and thank you for being a guest on my podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very honored. We're like four hours apart. Um, and so uh, I'm just thrilled I got this opportunity to connect with you. And um, I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. And I knew you would have some nuggets for me. You always have a few gems here and there every time I talk to you. Um, so thank you. I'm glad you're sa staying safe and staying inside and that your family and everyone is doing well. And um, I'll talk to you, I'm sure, some other time in a virtual happy hour or oh. <laughs> house party call or something like that <laughs> with a group. Thanks for being on, Robin. Thank you.
Thank you for having me. Okay.